Well, I trust you all have had a, a good Christmas with your families. Yes, good, good. Uh, we, uh, we left just the day after Christmas and, and went to visit Susan's family for two and a half days uh, in Indiana, and it was good to, to have the whole clan together uh, and, uh, and share just a little bit of time together. Uh, but it's also good to, to be with uh, my church family this morning. And so we're going to be looking uh, at entering into the, the new year. And, uh, but before we do that, uh, I've, I've heard it said that, that life can be broken down into to four phases. And maybe you've heard this before. But stage one is that uh, you're born and you, and you believe in Santa Claus. Right? At stage two is then you don't believe in Santa Claus. And then stage three is you are Santa Claus. You, you see where this is going? And then you know what stage four is, right? You begin to look like Santa Claus. Some of us a little more than others. Uh, uh, but but, but, <laughs> but he likes doing that. He, he even has a Santa suit, right, Scott? Um, but how do you like growing older? Yeah, I don't, I don't hear a bunch of hoorahs out there. Uh, but if you're younger, like a teenager, you probably uh, like the idea of getting older. Uh, and if you're already older, you may not like the idea of getting older because why? Well, because you fear what's ahead, right? Um, there was a gentleman who went to the doctor uh, for his annual checkup. And uh, the nurse asked him, you know, how they go through their routine when you first check in before you actually see the doctor. And he asked, the nurse asked him, how much do you weigh? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm about 156. And, and so she weighed him, and, and he was 179. And then she said, well, well, how tall are you? And he said, well, I'm five foot six. And so she measured him, and he was only five foot three. And so then she proceeded to take his blood pressure and, and said, your blood pressure is high. And, and he said, well, of course it's high. I came in here, I was tall and slender, and now I'm short and fat. <laughs> yeah, well, getting older isn't what it's cracked up to be, is it? Uh, uh, we may not like the idea of a new year because of problems and issues. It's true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know uh, turning 50, I, I noticed a change that it's like, I didn't like this change. Uh, I, I started going to the doctor more consistently. I, I have seen more specialists in the last four years than, than I have probably my whole entire life. Uh, I think I only went to one specialist. Uh, was when I had a deviated septum corrected when I was in my 30s. Um, but anyhow, I, it's true. Uh, we, we never know what the next year or what the new year holds for us. And so some of us think, ugh, uh, you know, coming into the years, and others are like, hey, hoorah, all right, let's, get, let's tackle it. Um, but two weeks ago, I, I saw a picture of a t-shirt, and the t-shirt said, I love new stuff. And yeah, who doesn't like new stuff? And so check out this, uh, this commercial for Hyundai. New. What happened to you? Slapped on every package? Thrown on every label? Oh, how the new have fallen. So what would happen if we stopped looking for new and started asking for better? This. The 2017 Hyundai Elantra with smartwatch connectivity. Not just new, 
better. New makes you want it. Better makes you want to keep it. The 2017 Hyundai Elantra with blind spot detection. Not just new, better. Now, new is nice, and often it's better, uh, but not always, however. Uh, did you ever get something new that just didn't turn out quite as nice as you thought it would? Yeah, some of you have. Well, uh, I, I came across this, and, and here is one man. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of car he had, uh, but he bought a, a brand new car, and this is what he had to say about it. He said, the transition makes a loud grinding noise while braking. The power windows sometimes stick and won't go up. At least that keeps me from going to the car wash. And then the alternator gave out only at 950 miles. The seams on the seats are already pulling apart after 2,000 miles. And the CD, the CD player ate my favorite CD and won't eject it. Uh, and then he said, lastly, it guzzles gas. And so that man is not a happy camper with his, his brand new car. Uh, and so new is not always the nicest thing. But buying the latest and greatest products might feel exciting, uh, but it also could cost you big time. And I'm not just talking uh, about price. It's not, a, it's not necessarily a great idea to rush out and purchase uh, the new trendy item. Uh, being among the first to own that new product involves a fair amount of risk. Uh, and maybe some of you have taken that risk. Not only are you you, you're paying top dollar for the privilege of lining up so that you can be there at midnight when they open the doors uh, to purchase that coveted item, but you also face the possibility that it's a dud and that it really isn't living up to the standards that they have uh, uh, put out there and, and they haven't worked out all the bugs yet. And so in some cases, there's even a chance of, of serious health and safety concerns. And so, um, and what I want to allude to is, is, is back in 2000, I think it was 2016, Samsung put out the Galaxy Note 7 phone. Does anybody remember that one? And you know what happened with that one? Yeah. They did this big splash uh, advertisement, and, uh, but the batteries had a nasty issue of catching on fire. And so it could be in your pocket, and it would catch on fire. And so early purchasers of the phone, they were subject to bodily harm and the annoying process of then having to go through the return process and replace their device and all that stuff. And so su such risks are, aren't just limited to tech products. Uh, a quick look at the Consumer Product Safety Commission website and you'll find vehicles, food, cosmetics, and all kinds of other things online that, and products that have been uh, recalled and considered not safe. So obviously not all those things are, are, are new, but, uh, and they may have been on the market for a considerable time. But logic dictates that, that among those, to first buy those and try it, uh, whether it's a tech upgrade to Microsoft Windows 10, remember that one? Or uh, updating the, the latest iOS, uh, you're putting yourself at risk. More risk if you're the first ones to, to take advantage of it. And so I... Uh, with some things, I prefer uh, the wait-and-see approach, especially when it comes to upgrading phones. You know, I don't have the latest iPhone. Uh, I, I wait for a couple generations, then I get the, the, the next one up because it's way cheaper uh, and will cause less frustration because the bugs have all been worked out. 
So at least, though, we're entering a new year. And maybe, just maybe, some things will be better or, or they will get better. It depends on our attitude and our altitude. And that, what I mean by that is our spiritual uh, altitude. The important things about the new year, the important thing about the new year is, is to think about what we're going to do with it that will make us better people, better people in the eyes of God. It's only in our relationship to God that anything can, can be better or get better. When things go wrong, he's the only one who can make things right or better. Our text today comes from Romans chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse 11. And it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for the salvation is near to us now than ever before. Then is, is, excuse me, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So entering the, the new year, what should we do to have a better life? A colleague in ministry, Robert uh, Rasmussen, he put it this way. He says that we need to first wake up, then we need to clean up, and then we need to dress up. And so wake up. So heading into the new year, if you're not awake spiritually, then you need to wake up. If, it hasn't, if it's been a long time since you've read your Bible, then it's time to wake up and start doing it. If it's been a long time since you've prayed and, and had any type of devotional life, then it's time to wake up. If it's been a long time since God has spoken to your heart, the question is why? Are you asleep? There was a Sunday school teacher, and she asked her kids just before dismissing them from her class and dismissing them to go into church, and she asked, why is it necessary to be quiet in church? And so little Billy replied, well, because people are sleeping. <laughs> now, now, that wouldn't happen here in our congregation. Okay, I'm not going to look at anybody specific. Not anybody on the side of the room. Okay. <laughs> there was a, a lady who was known as Winston Churchill's main rival in Parliament, and she was giving a speech. And uh, Churchill, with his usual enthusiasm for his rival, dozed off while the lady was speaking. And so she stopped her speech, and she went over and she woke Sir Winston by yelling, Mr. Churchill, must you sleep while I talk? And Churchill sleepily replied, no, ma'am, I do it purely by choice. Well, most people who are spiritually asleep do it so by choice. Many people deliberately ignore God, Christ, and the Bible and just go on their merry, miserable way. Spiritual apathy abounds in our day and time. In years gone by, if you uh, said that you attended church regularly, that meant that you most likely attended church, church twice a week 
every week. Nowadays, if, if you say it, you attend church regularly, it probably means that you at least attend once a month. Times have changed. Spiritual apathy abounds. Many people are spiritually asleep and don't care to be woken up. They have the attitude of, I don't know and I don't care, or else I don't believe it and I won't do it. There was a teacher in school who, who, gave, uh, who taught English, and she uh, gave the, the class a subject that they needed to spend the hour writing on, and the word that she gave them was what, with a question mark. And so they each had an hour to write down and expound on the word what, uh, and all the concepts may be related to that. And so uh, there was obviously always one smart aleck person in the class, and after about a minute, um, he, uh, he turned his paper in and walked out of class. And so the teacher looked at his paper, and on his sheet he had written, so what? Well, that's the kind of attitude that many people have today towards God. So what? Could our lack of enthusiasm for the things of God be an indication of something wrong with us? It could be. A few of you may remember uh, Buck Calger. Does anybody remember Buck Calger, uh, who attended First Church many years ago? Um, and he had, has long since uh, gone on to be with the Lord. But if you knew Buck, you knew when he agreed with a particular part of your sermon, right? Uh, because Buck would say, amen, and he wasn't shy about it. He wasn't shy at all. But recently I heard a, a preacher complain about uh, none of his people ever say amen to anything that he preached on. And then he went on to say, you know, I wanted to say to him, you know, just join the crowd. Uh, and, and then our, our lack of enthusiasm for the word uh, or the things of God could be an indication that, that we're somewhat sleepy and need to be woken up. The pastor, this pastor then went on to say that he had a hard time getting people in his church to volunteer to serve in various ways, in the nursery or calling on others or teaching classes, etc. And again, I wanted to say, join the crowd. You know, we, I struggle with the same thing. So does Pastor Josh and Pastor Mindy. But there are many things that we do do or perhaps fail to do that indicate that we may be somewhat asleep spiritually. So how do we wake up sleeping people? Maybe that's why the church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee has snakes in their worship service. They force their congregation to stay awake. I am glad we are not part of that church. Um, but as, as pastors, we often keep on serving. We keep on loving and preaching and teaching and praying, and we just hope, hope that someone will just get on fire. Verse, uh, verse 12 and 13 says again, the night, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Who likes to stay dirty, besides maybe a toddler in a mud pit? But who likes to stay dirty? Some people in our world do. I mean, haven't you noticed? This world is immorally 
corrupt. It, it can't be anything else because it's, it's, it's its sinful nature. Left alone, it, it won't become any better, but will continue to become worse to the point where every imagination and thought of man is evil before God. Immorality is in the world today. I mean, you can't get away from it. TV, movies, magazines, internet, ungodly lifestyles have become politically correct today. I mean, I could list off a host of names of just people in 2018 who have made headlines because uh, they themselves have proven themselves to be corrupt and immoral and, and self-serving. And I'm not going to go, I mean, you can probably just go through the nose, go through the internet, you, you, can, you can pick the names. I don't want to embarrass them any further. But they're wrong and they need to clean up their act. They probably won't, though, because they've been deceived and they've been duped by the world, uh, the flesh and the devil. They're, they're like so many in this world. But God doesn't want his people to be politically correct. He wants them to be biblically correct. They need to clean up their lives. But they, that won't happen unless they have a moment when they come uh, to believe in the Lord Jesus and surrender to his lordship in their life. Most of us are probably not as bad as the Apostle Paul talked about in this text. But we all struggle with our own sins of the flesh. And it's time to clean up. I read an article uh, about a gentleman, uh, I think it was back in 2009, uh, and this is what the article said about a gentleman in Indianapolis. Boggles the mind. A man was arrested after police said he left his five-year-old son in a tractor trailer while he ducked into an Indianapolis strip club to drink. The 39-year-old man was arrested at 1.15 a.m. on child neglect and public intoxication charges after calling police to report his truck stolen and his child missing. Police say the man was too drunk to remember where he had parked. They found the boy inside watching cartoons on a television inside the cab. The keys were in the ignition and the doors were unlocked. Police say the suspect put his son in jeopardy by leaving him exposed in a high crime area. The man was taken to the Marion County Jail where his wife picked up him and the child. I'm dumbfounded. I mean, how could a man, how could a father be so stupid? Uh, he needs to get his act together. He needs to repent. He needs to clean up his life. <clears throat> We all need to clean up our lives as well. <clears throat> we need to take whatever sin that is dragging us down to the Lord and ask for mercy and grace. Uh, we need to ask for mercy for our sins and ask for his grace to get over them. God created us, and he can recreate us if we'll let him, by walking him with him daily. It's when the Lord gets out of sight that we also get him out of our mind. And that's when we really get into trouble. We need to keep him in sight and in our mind every hour of the day. Entering into the new year, we need to wake up. We need to clean up. And lastly, we need to dress up. 
dressing up for the church. For church is something that many people like to do. Of course, dressing up for church is not quite the popular thing to do nowadays uh, and as popular as it used to be. Even in some cultures, people will just dress up just to go into town. But casual dressing is the thing now, uh, unless you go to Walmart where you're allowed to wear your pajamas. Um, but dressing up, or even to school. Right, Brianna? Hey, you looked cute in that unicorn thingy. Anyhow. Uh, anyhow. I digress. So, but dressing up on, on the outer appearance is really not what I'm talking about. Uh, we need to wake up, clean up, and dress up. But how are we going to dress up? I'm talking about dressing up the inside by putting on Christ. Part of cleaning up means we need to dress up by putting on Christ. But casual is not what God wants from us on the inside. We all know that we have an outer person and an inner person. And while the outer person may be clean and dressed up, what about the inner person, which is the real you? Many of you remember the story of, of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was written by a Robert Louis Stevenson, and it was published back in 1886. And it's about a London lawyer who investigates strange occurrences between his old friend, Dr. Henry Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And the dual title character is, is a doctor uh, who has covered up a secret life full of cruel deeds. He feels as if he is constantly battling within himself between what is good and what is evil. And he's pushing away people that are near and dear to him. Doesn't that kind of sound like us? We all battle with the darkness that lies within us. We all have a dark side. In the Bible, it's called the old man of sin. Sin still lurks within us and control of us. And so to dress up means crucifying to the uh, flesh daily and living for God. Meaning, not walking in sin, but walking in the Spirit of God. It must be a daily decision on your part. It's not just going to happen. We need to be intentional. So how do you dress up? Or how do you live? Or how, <clears throat> or how you live should not depend on how you feel or what kind of day you've had. Your actions shouldn't be based on, on, how, uh, on how God wants you to act. Your life should be based on how God wants you to act. Your actions show what your heart really looks like. And how you live uh, should not be dependent upon others you can't control. But you can control what you do and what you say. Back in, in 2008 or 2009, there was a famous, uh, a famous British tennis star named Andy Murray. And he was having some relationship problems. Uh, but unlike Tiger Woods at the time, Murray wasn't spending too much time with other women. Um, he had been spending too much time with his PlayStation. Uh, Murray at the time was the ranked number four player in the world. And he was dumped by his longtime girlfriend, Kim Sears, due in part to the fact that he spent seven hours, seven hours a day, playing video games. Mmm, there it is. Of course, now most of you would probably 
consider his PlayStation addiction not really being very bad, but it is. Why? Well, because it's a waste of time and it has taken his attention away from people, in his case, his girlfriend. So what does Murray, uh, what Murray does with his PlayStation, we've done with other things. And it's become a sin to us. If nothing else, it's idolatry. It's idol worship. Instead of focusing on the God who created good things, it's focusing on the gift. And that's idolatry or spiritual idolatry. We're all guilty and we need to clean up our act and dress up. We need to dress up with Christ. Verse 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How do we clothe ourselves with the character of Christ? It won't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes devotion. Do you want to be better this year? Do you want your relationship with God to be closer? Back in March, I got permission from Becky Stedman to share this with you, but back in March of 2017, uh, Becky Stedman decided that she needed to make a life-changing decision. She wanted to lose weight and keep it off. She didn't want to follow the, the, uh, a specific diet or program that if you stop, you gain everything back that you've lost. Some of you have done that. You, you know those programs. But she took to train her mind on how she thought about food. Every day she had to remind herself to eat slower, to stop eating when she felt full. Becky was diligent in doing that every day. She said there were days where she messed up and she had to tell herself, okay, tomorrow's a new day and I can restart tomorrow. Becky is healthier than ever and she feels better about herself today. She has lost 71 pounds since she began and that was just less than two years ago, which I think is amazing. So congratulations, Becky. But what she did is she changed her lifestyle. She changed her lifestyle on the inside. What she did physically is what we must all do spiritually. Many of us have poor spiritual habits. We don't go to church as much as we should. We don't read God's word as much as we should, which is a life-changing thing. We don't pray as much as we should. We don't serve in the church as much as we should. We don't focus on walking with the Lord daily like we should. And, and these are the tools, all of these things, these are the tools by which we change and get dressed with the character of Christ. We have to be intentional. New and better. We don't need new and better material things. But what we all need is to be new and better person in the new year. I've heard it said, and I'm not sure who coined the phrase, but they said, nature forms us. Education informs us. Sin deforms us. But only Christ transforms us. Choose Christ to become the better you 
in the new year. Let me pray for you. My Lord and my God, I thank you that you are a God that forgives, that you are a God that shows us love, mercy, and compassion. And so, Lord, as we enter the new year, Lord, I, it's my prayer that you would, you would speak into our lives and our hearts, and Lord, help us to change. Change isn't easy. Breaking bad habits is not easy. But Lord, if we allowed you to be Lord of our life, Lord, that we seek for you and your Holy Spirit to be our strength, then Lord, we can overcome. We can become that person that you would have us to become. And so Lord, that's my prayer for for this congregation. We can all do better at being a Christ follower, at being a person of love and compassion. Help us to put you first in our life and everything else will fall in place. Sure, we'll still have, have, have problems and, and maybe health issues, but Lord, we will have a better perspective. Our attitude will be better and we will be able to go through it better because you are by our side. So Lord, we give you thanks for your word and for prayer, and for the encouragement of others. And Lord, we also just want to continue to worship you, not only in song, but Lord, we want to worship you through our tithes and offerings. And so Lord, we pray right now that as we do this act of worship, of of giving our tithes and offering, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would use it, Lord, that we would give it unbegrudgingly. And Lord, that you would use it to expand your church, not only here in Talmadge, but around the world. Give those charge over it wisdom. Again, Lord, we worship you in all of your glory and in all of your truth. And God's people said, amen.